0: The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out They'll eat your guts and spit them out And when your bones begin to rot the worms remain, but you do not. So don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by. For someday you'll be next in line. And when death brings his cold despair, ask yourself, will anyone care?
1: Macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Macabre. My name is Holly. I'm Blair. Thanks for joining us again for episode C. This episode is C for Cadaver. But we're actually yeah. going to talk more about cadavers and the history of body snatching is all connected. Yeah I this? can't wait. <laughs> I feel like there's a there's definitely a trend in the first, like several episodes. I mean, I guess that's the nature of macabre is like, we're not going to talk about rainbows and kittens necessarily, but (laughs) there seems seems to be like a pretty solid theme so far. So definitely you're going to learn everything you wanted to know about body snatchers. And it's still funny to me that people don't really know where that comes from. But if you did know, then you might not be as interested in this episode. So (laughs) I'm going to tell you all about it. It's time to learn. Time to learn about all the weird (laughs) stuff. Okay, so let's do it. On this episode of Macabre, I'm going to dig into the graves of the recently deceased and uncover the dark history of body snatchers. So we're going to go back in time to the 1800s, which uh, was a time of medical and science advancement. It was also a time of industry and railroad expansion. So in 1827, the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad became the first U.S. railway chartered for commercial transportation of freight and passengers, which is a fun fact because you're asking yourself, how does this have anything to do with cadavers? Well, (laughs) (laughs) with this revolution came unintended consequences, as typically happens anytime we create something new. Mm -hmm. It actually created an opportunity to transport stolen corpses. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) this new development in transportation allowed body snatchers a way to quickly ship cadavers to medical schools in need of dissection material pretty much anywhere the railroad could take them. Before the expansion of railroads, cadavers had to be transported locally for obvious reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Now that trains could move bodies much further... The city of Baltimore became a mecca for the macabre practice of body snatching. There were six medical schools in desperate need of dissection cadavers. With a more temperate climate in the colder months of the year, the ground did not freeze like it did in New England and the Midwest, which made it much more convenient for the self-proclaimed resurrectionists. Now, Mm. mm -hmm, yeah, (laughs) I can't imagine. Okay, so side note, I don't think we've actually talked about this, but- Blair is in Wisconsin, which it's very freaking cold. I don't know how you live there, but is that a
0: problem where you're at? The ground freezes? Oh, absolutely. A lot of shit freezes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I apologize for all of our listeners who are not in the U.S., but I'm going to use degrees in Fahrenheit here for reference. When I met my boyfriend, the first date that we went on, my work got done early. They let us go home early because of how cold it was. Oh my it god! Was, yeah, it was negative sixty-five degrees Fahrenheit here the night that so, we met.
1: So safe to say, no one was snatching bodies in the winter in no. Wisconsin. Yeah, but
0: they do—they do have a nice preserve rate if they're oh. out in the true. You know, <laughs> true. So if they can get them there by train, then
1: then yeah. they'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the kind of the reason behind this. Um, physicians and medical students believe that body snatching was a necessary evil. It was one that was offset by the benefits of anatomical study, because obviously it's difficult to move in a forward direction if you don't have the materials you need to be able to study and learn right and at that time anatomy teachers were solely responsible for providing students with cadavers so (laughs) yeah that was their job to make sure that there were plenty of cadavers in stock so basically when a cadaver magically showed up they didn't ask any questions and in in my research allegedly you can see me air quote allegedly (laughs) these prestigious schools even had money set aside to pay body snatchers so they wow. were funding yeah they were funding these undercover underground operations <laughs> dang <laughs> and it wasn't just the anatomy teacher the medical students were also participating in the actual act of body snatching They would also get other people involved. So um, middlemen, like paid church officials, people that were acting in an undertaker role, con artists who claimed the bodies of the poor, amateurs who stumbled upon a fresh body or grave, murderers who actually produced the corpses, and graveyard attendants were just a few of the extra people
0: that were participating. I cannot imagine to just... Have that being a normal thing in society. And I mean, I
1: wish I could find the actual statistics, but we'll get into a little bit of like the financial background of it. I mean, I'm sure this is obviously a huge problem because there were six schools. I don't know how many students there were, but the number of bodies that they would need, and there was no way to preserve them at that time. You had to work quickly, you know, because. If
0: a body was sitting around for any period of time, that's not good. Well, yeah. And that reminds me of, like, something straight out of Monty Python where they're like, well, we have a class at 2 p.m. And uh, we're going to need three bodies. And, you know, Bob's (laughs) just been pissing us off lately. And uh, if we we get him in about an hour, he'll be just right (laughs) by the time we we need him for 2 p.m. So if somebody could just go quick and just to bob that pro-
1: that's probably really how it happened actually <laughs> they probably had people lined up outside to be honest <laughs> bring, out but, your dad. <laughs> bring out your dead. yeah so, but surprisingly at that time sourcing cadavers was not that difficult i mean oh. they were readily available due to the increased increasing rates of mortality from infectious diseases like tuberculosis cholera typhoid fever and sadly, highly contagious childhood diseases like scarlet fever, pneumonia, and let's not forget AOS for arsenic. So there were probably a lot of bodies, which I don't know. They wouldn't have really known what those people would have died from necessarily. So they were probably doing some dissection on bodies
0: that were, you know, poisoned yeah. with arsenic and other things. And I want to know is... the stats on who died from looking at that.
1: Yeah. Digging I in wish. And... I wish I had a stat on that. Yeah, could you imagine like nicking your finger, Ooh. or something, and Ooh. being all being all up in that because <laughs> they didn't really like like sanitize. It's not like they no. were
0: sanitizing their hands at that exactly. time. Exactly. So, Gosh, oh, I wish like, I, I wish they kept better records. I agree because that it, it it's just a deadly time. And A is for arsenic. Yeah, A is one of the biggest a holes. Of the time. Because damn, ruining (laughs) lives left and right. (laughs) All right. Well, we said they
1: were readily available, but people that were most commonly targeted were poor people, obviously, paupers, and recently deceased asylum patients. And um, one asylum in particular called Bayview Asylum, which is now John Hopkins Satellite Campus had a designated area in the woods where asylum patients were laid out in these open pits. And it was like this small section of land that they used. And they basically bring out the bodies and put them in the pits. And then Mm -hmm. they would just put like a really thin layer of dirt over them, but they wouldn't like cover them up completely. They waited until the section was full of bodies before they would go back in and like fill the plot. So Mm -hmm. they would sod it. Basically, until the plot was full, there'd just be bodies that were just thinly covered up, and anybody could come in and just remove them. It was like no, (laughs) no, no big deal because nothing was sotted down. So yikes, yikes, yeah. And as we know from the Bedlam episode, a lot of bodies, a lot of bodies available. Um, but. It wasn't just the poor people that were at risk. Uh, in 1870, the body of Ohio Congressman John Scott Harrison, who was the son of President William Henry Harrison, was stolen and later found hanging on a hook in the subcellar of the Ohio Medical College in Cincinnati. <laughs> So I think Ooh. someone was like caught wind of something or was like worried about it. Cause obviously this was a big problem and people knew about it Yeah, and they went to go like look at his grave. I think they just wanted to be sure and the grave was empty and I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the medical school first and right. there it was. Yeah. Oh man. Body snatching was one of the most legit, illegitimate businesses of the time. In fact, most of the cadavers supplied to medical schools in the 18th and 19th century in Great Britain and the U.S. were actually supplied by body snatchers. Damn. Yes. Yep. And the people that were doing it were super resourceful. But one of the tactics they would employ would be they would hire women to act like they were grieving relatives to go in and claim the bodies of the dead people at poor houses. So they would just be like, oh, so-and-so, you know, and then they'd meet the person out the back, take the body. Um, They'd also do this at funerals. They would have people, women, go to funerals to act like they were grieving mourners. And then the women would also act as scouts. They would look at a location to try to figure out like what, potential issues there would be in removing the body or digging up the body and then they would report back to these these guys that is pretty insane pretty crazy yeah and um cadavers were in such high demand that they even sent spies to the funerals to try to figure out like the demographics what what was their sex how old were they what was the condition of their body They're essentially just like checking to see like what's going to bring us the most amount of money. What's the most desirable body for these medical schools? Pretty crazy to think about.
0: I can't even imagine. You have to be a specific kind of human being in order to take on that kind of occupation.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep. We'll get into that a little bit too. Oh, For them to accomplish this, most of the time they worked in really small groups and they would always target like the freshest graves because it was easier for them to remove the body and they were in the right condition. Uh, One member would basically stand watch while the others worked really quickly to remove the body. And the rule was a grave was meant to be robbed within 24 hours so that it was as fresh as possible. Now, this is where it gets really fun for me. (laughs) So stay with me. As I mentioned before, body snatchers only worked in the cold season because a stiff, as they called them, would only be good for a couple of days before it started to decay and putrefy. There was no way to refrigerate a corpse back in those days, and so the peak season for body snatching was from the middle of October through the end of November. And this is precisely when the medical schools planned to do dissection because they were like, it's cooler, like the bodies will last longer. They had a whole system in place. Why would these people want to do this? Like you mentioned, Blair, that it takes a special type of person to do this. Um, Main reason was money. Money was a motivator. And for body snatchers, it paid really, really well. And basically the conversion is one cadaver earned them about $2,100 by today's standards. Wow. And might not think that's a lot of money by today's standards, but they weren't just grabbing one body a day. Mm
0: -hmm. They would
1: hit multiple graves like day and night. So, you know, if you did, if you did five bodies in one day, that's over $10,000 by today's standards. And if you split it, that's just a pretty decent little haul back in those yeah. days. And then if you just think about what type of occupations people were doing back then and how dangerous most of the jobs were for people, the long hours, the shitty pay, the risk to their health. I mean, I i don't say that I agree with it, but I can see how it would be yeah, <laughs> You know, I don't feeling. know appealing in that yeah. way sad that people were felt like they had to do that but
0: right all right and the, the sad part of it is they would be paid way more than the people bussing ass in a factory yeah oh yeah I, can't, I don't
1: know what the living wage would have been at that time but it was probably not not at yeah. all living wage yeah. um i think i read that it was basically like a couple months worth of income for mm-hmm. them yeah very yeah. sad And then a lot of people just saw the dead as like not belonging to anyone. And we'll get into that too. I think just the idea, just the morality was very different back then. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's get into how they actually did it. (laughs) So uh, let's just say after sneaking into a cemetery or what we call the pauper field, these resurrectionists would use their spade to clear away the dirt from the coffin because it was quieter than using a shovel. So they just clear away the little dirt. And then someone would stand watch while the rest of them then took the shovel to break the coffin lid open, which was usually like a thin layer of pine, some kind of wood, just a thin layer of box. Once the coffin was open, they would put a large hook around the corpse's neck or uh, armpit. And then they would wrap a rope around them and just slowly like ease the body out of the grave, which I don't know, listeners
0: can't see me, but I'm doing the actual motion. <laughs> I I don't know why, but I just got like this really like morbid image of like when you go to like a claw machine to get a stuffed animal. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> like the
1: just little like, the
0: little aliens from Toy Story. Uh, oh my claw. god! Yes, and they had to oh.
1: <laughs> and they had to be super careful about it, you know, because they didn't like if they damaged a body, then it wasn't going to be good for. The people that were paying them to have, you know, like, they're like, nope, this one's not good. Sorry, you're not getting your
0: $2,100. Right. Um, Brings in a body. The arm's yeah. off. No, it's not. <laughs> it's I, just I'm just... Sew, it, sew it back on. <laughs> yeah, sew it back on. It's fine. They
1: might have. I don't know. Who knows? <gasps> <laughs> oh, I know. It gives me the chills. Um, okay. So now they've got the body. And the question is, now what are they going to do with it? So they have to get it to whatever destination it's going to. And as I mentioned before, like trains became very important for transport outside of the local area. Mm -hmm. Um, So, how would they do this? This is my favorite part of the episode. (laughs) So, they would stuff the corpses into barrels filled with whiskey to mask the odor, to mask the odor. And I would think that obviously like anything with a high alcohol content would probably act as some sort of preservative.
0: Yeah. I don't know,
1: but that's just my thought. And now this is where it gets really trigger warning-ish. So if it wasn't bad enough already, um, once the corpse was removed from the barrel and delivered to the medical school, the whiskey known as Gut Rot was then sold on street corners as Stiff Drinks. Oh! So this is where the term Stiff Drinks (laughs) comes from. And you know I love whiskey. But now, like, the title of this episode, which now that you're already in it, is going to be C for Cadaver, but it's also going to be called Corpse Whiskey. I didn't want to yeah. put it in there yet because I didn't Ooh. want you to see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shocked me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so next time you order a stiff drink, you'll never think about that the same.
0: <laughs> if somebody <laughs> says that to me now, like, here's your a stiff, stiff drink. drink. It'd be like, you can take that back. I don't want it. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, it was just another way for them to make money. They're like, we're not going to let a good barrel of whiskey go to waste. That was just like... Yeah. You know, more money, Mm. more money in their pocket. So that was that. (laughs) Damn. Oh, just it's just going to get worse from here. Um. Okay. So the last little bit about the (laughs) medical school is obviously this was something that wasn't like exactly legal, but once they would take in the body, the medical students would immediately remove any identifying features from the corpse. They would remove their scalp, their ears in their eyes in case they got Mm -hmm. like an impromptu inspection by the authorities so that way you know they weren't recognizable um what's strange is that searches very rarely happened like no one really seemed to care about the stolen bodies except for the families who this was happening to Mm -hmm. and uh wealthy families were like no oh hell no we're not letting this happen to Grandma." So (laughs) they actually had money to be able to do things to prevent this from happening. And so there's a couple anti-body snatching
0: preventions that I'm going to talk
1: about next.
0: How sad is it that you have to pay money to keep somebody protected like that? Yeah. And they went to pretty good lengths. I'm shaking my head right now. You can't see.
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) I can't. I'm shaking my head too. Oh. You might have seen pictures. I think there was like a, it wasn't a meme necessarily, but there was something floating around on the internet recently that was like, it looks like a cage, like a metal cage in a cemetery, like kind of almost like coffin shape. And somebody's like, mm-hmm. well, I want to know, I want to know the backstory on this. Well, it turns out that metal cage that fits over top of a grave is one of yeah. the anti-body snatching methods. Um It's like iron. It looks like a coffin, but it's not a coffin. Yeah. And they're called grave cages or mort safes. And basically, these started appearing around graves uh, in 1816. One of them was a cage-like iron frame that fit around the coffin itself, and the other was like a heavier structure that slid over the coffin, kind of like a sheath which made it basically impossible for grave robbers to steal a corpse because it was so freaking heavy. And like to be able to get into it was basically impossible. So that worked. And then (laughs) one of the other things they would do is if they could afford it, they would straight up use an iron casket and the casket would have a heavy ass iron lid and it would be riveted shut. So you know, drilled into the iron. There was no way for them to get in there. And then they had a third expensive, fancy way to keep that from happening. They actually built these things called mort houses. And they were basically a really well fortified, guarded structure. So they'd have somebody like sit and guard these things. They kind of look like a mausoleum. Uh, But they were made out of like granite and they were even constructed like prison cells or bank vaults. So the idea was someone would sit outside and they would leave the body inside until it decomposed. Wow. Because once it decomposed, then it wasn't, you know, wasn't a risk. Yeah. For the people who couldn't afford those expensive methods, they had a couple of options. The first method was pretty simple. Anyone could do it. And it basically was like the Mort House, but a little bit more stomach turning. They would basically just keep their dead loved ones at home until they decomposed to the point that they were no longer fit for dissection. Wow. So they would lay Aunt Edna out on, you know, whatever. And, and they would just let her do her thing but what is interesting about that and I could be totally wrong here uh, again I'm new at all this but as far as research goes I don't know like are there risks for contagious diseases like is there like you were saying um about typhus like what are the risks when you have a body that's infected with something and then you're right. just leaving it out in your living room what what are the risks there I don't know
0: yeah there you you know there's got to be especially with certain things that could have been the culprit for killing a person you you would have to think that that was a liability
1: yeah risky oh. and it would smell terrible it would smell yeah. terrible
0: so oh, i we said can't that there's it in the parlor today at Edna's on no. the slab
1: no and oh. i said that they
0: had i said
1: that they had multiple options but that was it i lied they only had that one option So rich rich people had like some dignity. They tried to have some dignified way to do it. And poor people, I mean, they just, they were willing to deal with some of the less, you know, like some of the gross things because they just didn't
0: want their loved
1: ones to be subjected to that.
0: And that's just bad because it's already pretty difficult to process a loss. Yeah, exactly. And to have it be literally in your face for how many yeah. days it yeah well, we're gonna
1: get into even more in a minute so i don't want to spoil it but um yeah it, get, it even takes like a whole nother level of what like how prolific this was at the time and, and like i said before it's interesting because nobody really seemed to care the only people that really seemed to care were the people that were affected by it um so there really wasn't statute. In place because they didn't see bodies as belonging to anyone necessarily mm-hmm. but people just got fed up so between 1765 and 1854 there were at least 17 doctors riots that broke out across the country in cities like baltimore cleveland philadelphia several states along the east coast had legislation in place that prevented the illegal illegal possession of a body um, but one notable piece of legislation was enacted in New York in 1789 after the doctor's riot that took place in the in April of that year before. Damn. This incident allegedly incited the riot, involved a group of children who were playing outside the New York hospital next to a room where a student of the physician, Richard Bailey, who was known to exhume corpses from the two cemeteries was dissecting an arm the student john hicks waved the arm out at the children telling a boy whose mother had recently died that it belonged to her the boy ran home and told his father and the father exhumed his wife's coffin because he was fearful and Mm -hmm. found it empty the surprise surprise the coffin was empty and so a group of citizens basically gathered they marched to the hospital surrounded the building and basically 2000 people rioted and at Whoa. least 20 at least 20 people died so basically some jackass stole a body and then taunted the poor <laughs> the poor kid Holy with his shit. mother's
0: flailing arms so there's no respect for the dead at all oh my gosh i mean i didn't yeah. I clearly am here right now. But if that would have been me back in the day, oh. You've been haunting someone? <laughs> I would have been haunting somebody. Or if I was part of the riot, I would have gone in there. And not to, like, disrespect the body more, but I would have slapped him with the hand instead of waved it, be bitch-slapping him across the face with, like, seriously, how fucking dare you? Yeah.
1: I I wonder oh. if a lot of this influenced... um a
0: certain writer. Yeah. Cause I was thinking, oh, waving it with the hand, I'm thinking of it. <laughs> yeah. Well that way. yeah,
1: that. And then I was thinking about at the time, you know, like the gothic literature. Mm-hmm. Um kind of the unrest of what I just wondered if that had any influence on Mary Shelley. But I'm sure you'll probably fill me in on that at some point.
0: Oh yeah. That <laughs> that's gonna be a very interesting episode. I'm excited for that. There's a lot of references. Uh, It makes a lot of sense when you look at how that was such a rage back then. Yeah.
1: So anyways, this incident, it basically enacted legislation in the state of New York that created language for the proper treatment of corpses with harsh punishment for those who violated the law. The statute also allowed criminals to be used in dissection legally, which... I don't know how I feel about that either, but they were trying to do the right thing. I think they thought they were maybe trying to do the right thing. But this legislation really didn't do much to deter body snatchers. Um, To be honest, politicians protected the act in the name of common good. Police looked the other way unless they were absolutely forced to take some kind of action. They like I said, they didn't even consider corpses victims because they were just they just saw them as dead like right they had no rights um unless a cemetery actually sued over something like that which they didn't do because they were also getting paid by body snatchers so right yeah oh man it's pretty safe to say that robbing cadavers challenged morality and medical ethics during the 1800s but for doctors and medical students, it was just something they believed had to be done in order to advance medical practices for the common good. And that honestly, they they remained in high demand until like the late 19th century, so late 1800s. And um, the practice only died off because of, one, some of the changes in regulation, but The biggest reason that it died off was because embalming became a standard practice. So once they discovered embalming, you know, they could preserve bodies for a lot longer. The legislation was Mm -hmm. put in place to kind of prevent the body snatching. So eventually that became a thing of the past. But uh, definitely was a big part of history in the U.S. and Great Britain. And I'm sure it goes back even further. But for the sake of medical science, it
0: was a huge deal. Damn, pretty crazy, that huh? Is, yeah, that is insane. The corpse whiskey really got me, though. <laughs> yeah, that I am still not over that. That's You've been my talking big... the whole time, and in my head, I'm like corpse whiskey, corpse, <laughs> that's, corpse whiskey, that's, the that's, thing.
1: <laughs> that's like my one big takeaway. I told my husband, I was like, I just had to like throw that fact at him. He's like, that is disgusting.
0: That is just just remember that, listeners. If somebody asks you if you want a stiff drink, you say no. And happy hour will never be the same. No, it will not. (laughs) No, it will not. And I do love whiskey, like a good whiskey. So, yeah, kind of ruined for that. Got to do your research now before you pick up a bottle. (laughs) Make sure. Oh, my gosh.
1: Okay, so that was a pretty crazy episode. Thank you, listeners, for uh, getting through that with us. and. Hopefully we're getting less awkward. I'm getting less awkward as we go along. I don't but um think I, am. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I don't <laughs> think you
0: are. <laughs> no, you are doing fine. I'm over here like, I'm so awkward.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but as usual, if you want to hear more, if you have ideas that you know, topics that you want us to cover that fall under macabre, definitely shoot us a message at that so macabre at gmail.com. You can go to our website, which is macabre pod, and there's a speak pipe on there. You can actually leave us a voicemail for up to five minutes. I would love to hear anything macabre that is noteworthy in your hometown because we know not a lot yes. of stuff gets published in newspapers and media.
0: Or exactly. Yeah, there's
1: just, a lot of creepy there's stuff. A lot,
0: a lot of creepy stuff. Well, you're in Wisconsin, so there's a lot of creepy stuff there. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh yeah, we could we could fill up quite a few episodes with just <laughs> the things that happen here. Yeah, and I'm in Oregon. <laughs> I don't know if I
1: mentioned that before for listeners, but um yeah, there's pretty there's some pretty crazy stuff in Oregon. I mean, serial killers, sex trafficking. There was recently a murder at a campground. The two women involved are still No one knows where they are. There's like a manhunt. Well, I should say woman hunt. So yeah, I want to hear your macabre hometown stories. Yes, please share. We want to hear from you. We do. We really do. (laughs) It's so much cooler when people share their stories, and makes life easier for us. So, and there's (laughs) stuff that I think listeners know that we probably don't know about. You know, yeah. We're in this together. We're here to learn.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and there is a lot to learn. <laughs> I feel like there is one other thing I wanted to say. Okay, let me just get into one fun fact. Do it. I got to pull it up. I actually think I told you the one. Actually, we did talk about this off offline. But for listeners, this is called the exploding corpse fact. <laughs> <laughs> did you know that if bodies are kept in coffins that are sealed tight enough, such as in a wall type of memorial. Sometimes enough gas will build up that the body basically explodes and can spill out of the ground. So it's basically a corpse bomb. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) That's something. (laughs) And then one other. I'm going to throw one more. Uh, Real corpses were used in the 1982 film Poltergeist. They were brought from a medical supply center because they were much less expensive than making props.
0: And that's what's crazy to me, because it's basically what we were talking about in this episode with body snatching, that even up into the eighties, it was still cheaper. And that is, yeah, leaves me speechless.
1: Yeah. There was a, that exhibit, uh, the bodies exhibit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. It came through San Diego when I lived there and A part of me was curious because, you know, I'm into, I'm into the strange and unusual. But then when I realized where they came from, I was like, I can't do that. I can't. And I mean, you know, I'm not saying anything about anybody that goes to see that because I think it is, you know, you do you, um, Mm -hmm. you do you. Don't hate on me. And it's fine. You can do whatever you want. But yeah, I just didn't go because, you know, I knew that they were, I believe they were like Chinese prisoners I could be wrong but some form of prisoner that they don't really have a say in what happens to their bodies it's not like they donate them um Mm -hmm. and then they're just put on they're dissected and put on display
0: not really for medical advancement
1: necessarily
0: Yeah. yeah yeah and I remember when that first came out that they were advertising that this was going to be an exhibit that was going to be traveling the country and how you know you you had to go in and you wasn't it you had to sign a waiver probably or something yeah because people were fainting and i believe it yeah i mean i think there was one section that was just the complete
1: full nervous system which is pretty crazy Mm -hmm. to see and as you know macabre is not for the faint of heart we haven't really said that either but it's in
0: it's in our show notes i think it is listener discretion is definitely advised I know definitely. that's kind of late into the game. we this is the end of episode three, but listener discretion is advised.
1: We're gonna go back and add that in.
0: Yeah. We'll add that in to yeah, we'll make sure that we start with that. Yeah. So we better put a disclaimer. We don't wanna, especially if if you're it's uh drinking your coffee friendly. at work or yeah, exactly. We don't we don't wanna make you blow chunks. So uh
1: NSF, or at least not be
0: prepared for it.
1: Not safe for No, it's NSFW. I'm really bad about it. I don't know all the lingo. I'm too old.
0: Hey, it's okay. (laughs) I don't don't know all the lingo either. (laughs) I wouldn't be blasting this on your little radio. uh, Keep a headphone in. (laughs) (laughs) But if you love
1: macabre, come back. We've got more. We want to feed your earworms. (laughs) All right. Well, we did it. Episode number three. Heck yeah. Okay. We did it. We did it.
0: Men du svarar inte. Så jag fortsätter gå.